Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, tremendous podcast family. What an honor to be with you again. We have a tremendous episode for you. We really go down the rabbit hole on this one. We have my friend, Native American elder, mathematician, David Lonebear Senapass back on the show. He's going to be coming up a little bit more often now because there's a lot to cover. Um, we, in this episode, talk about the Notre Dame Cathedral fire, the Knights Templar connection, the pole shift, and alien contact. This is a really deep episode. It uh, went a little bit viral on YouTube, for me anyway, more more views than I'm used to because um, it got linked into the Notre Dame fire. There's a lot of stuff that came up on this, but we talk about um, the Catholic Church influence on the Native American people. We talk about uh, the Notre Dame possibly being an inside job and some of the things that I saw come up with it. We talk about why the Native American flute is a spiritual object. We talk about the NOAA weather network, the difference between ACDC current, the pole shift and the magnetic disturbance that's being measured, uh, the shock wave that was detected um, being 900 miles an hour through the ocean, which is inc- incredible. We talk about the massive object detected past the asteroid belt. We talk about the pole moving 30 miles a day. So we also talk about uh, one of David's inventions of uh, the bike he built with a tear capacitor, um, the government's book on how to make alien first contact so this is extremely interesting and deep we also talk a little bit about um i asked david about what he thought about the alex jones joe rogan podcast where they talked about using dmt to communicate with et so obviously this is a pretty intense episode if you want to support please share leave a review on itunes all of that stuff is super helpful and i want to thank so much to jacoby kent for leaving this review it says matt is the man i always check mr belair's podcast for finding consistently inspiring and amazing content somehow he always pulls in a cornucopia of talent wise and intelligent thinkers movers and shakers he never stops producing quality content and he's dedicated to his craft this guy also seems to sacrifice a lot of time doing this i do this takes a long time thanks man and should be supported monetarily more often i'm going to make my first donation any minute here i've been meaning to support him for some time now and it's going to add up to a nice tip donation keep doing the good work matt the awakening world is listening well thank you so much jacoby who i want to thank again because he did contribute he threw in a few bucks on patreon and that helps a lot so um if you want to support the show you can also do that and the most important thing you can do is one kind act for someone today say a kind word um do a three kind acts is better and then even better than that is three kind acts a day for a week take the kindness challenge so thank you guys so much for all of that support i want to give a shout out to my sponsor and my partner the himalaya podcast app they are free super easy to use and has every single podcast that you are looking for uh personally curated playlist playlist and what also you can do is really interesting is episodic shareable playlists so you can build podcast playlists by episodes customize 
it just like a playlist for songs um, and share it through social text and email so you can switch it up with different podcasts with different shows it's a great way to discover new shows interact with other podcast users and community so it's a fantastic way to listen to podcasts that's definitely where I listen to mine um, I love the way that it navigates and it's just easy and it's just a little bit tighter so I really enjoy it and uh, when you're over there make sure you give the master mind body and spirit show a follow um, let me know you're listening please share this episode on Facebook and Instagram if you're out there for those of you guys who are interested in coaching just make an inquiry at mattbelair.com forward slash coaching or training I do training for staff for organizations um, I have a marketing background and all that stuff so really it just depends on what you are looking for so some of my clients are really looking to create a life that they're um, really passionate about. They haven't even thought about it. So this is taking you from A to Z. I have programs for that. And I also have peak performance programs for those of you guys who are already crushing it, but you want to know that extra 1%. You want this filtered in your organizations. Um, and you're just really curious about how to get the highest potential out of your life, out of your organization and anything along those lines. So if you want to explore any of that, just send an email to matt at zenathlete.com and have help you out so that's it i'm gonna end it there i hope that you're having a fantastic day let's get into this incredible episode with david lone bear before we do let's take a deep breath in through our nose hold that breath set the intention to come to peace coherence personal empowerment compassion energy letting that breath out slowly filling every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being with this energy positive vibes and enthusiasm ready to take on the day in this amazing episode with david Lone Bear Senapass. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest needs no introduction. She is a, he is an engineer, a mathematician, a Native American elder. Welcome to the show, David Lone Bear Senapass. <laughs> good morning, Matthew. How are you this fine morning? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. Looks like a nice sunny day here today, nice spring day. Uh, we actually seen uh, dandelions the other day coming up, and I heard the peepers last night, so I know spring is here. Oh, perfect. Yeah, we got snow here the other day in the middle of April, and I've been trying to go snowboarding, so I'm waiting for this weather to shift. <laughs> spring snowboarding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, in other parts of the world, would be great. Um, you know, I know we have a, a lot to talk about today. You've been doing a lot of research. Um, the topics we have are very fascinating, so it's going to be a very interesting show. Um, I guess I'll leave it up to you to where you want to begin, or do you want me to throw one of them at you? Well, I guess uh, today is a good question uh, day. Um, I've been, like I said, I haven't been on on the uh, podcast for for a very long, been a couple of months. So I've been mostly in my shop and traveling. So um, and um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the questions this morning. See, see if you can stump me. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we should start with the first one. Um, the fire in the cathedral of Notre Dame. Um, as soon as that happened, conspiracy world went nuts. Um, and there was also a fire in a mosque at the exact same time in Jerusalem. And uh, when I was, you know, looking at this, because it's a really interesting uh, event, I'm going to find his name, but there was a politician who even tweeted um, something that, oh, uh, uh, Christopher J. Hale, a politician, said a Jesuit friend in Paris who works in the Notre Dame told me uh, cathedral staff said the fire was intentional, uh, was intentionally set. And you can find that tweet. He deleted it. It's a pretty intense tweet to, to say. He also said there's no evidence. He doesn't have evidence for this. But 
a lot of people have posted videos and theories and um, I've heard personally that a lot of these old churches and buildings just like Egypt and, and even in the cathedrals hold information. Um, maybe it was the Templars that built it in, maybe it was the Masons, but actually codes in those buildings that you could find and you could get information from. So that's, what do you think about all that? Well, um, you, you have to look back and when, when this, when this uh, temple was built uh, through Europe, uh, when the Templars were in power, they, they built churches. And you're partially right about that. They built a, a lot of the churches and uh, Notre Dame was one of those churches that went up. Um, I think it took about 70 to 80 years to build, uh, but it has um, a very uh, unique past and history. Uh, that, that church in particular had a lot to do with the Mi'kmaq, um, that when uh, Europeans uh, started uh, coming here, uh, they, they took a lot of the Native Americans back as prisoners and as, as slaves. And that church in particular that held at least four Mi'kmaqs for at least um, 35 to 40 years. Uh, they worked in, in the church, around the grounds, um, different parts of that church. And um, only one returned to tell the story. And uh, when he told the story that, um, that that church in particular had a resonance vibration to it. Um, there was something inside that church that um, resonated with um, almost like a bell. Um, I've been doing that research for the last 40 years, um, um, probably about 40 years ago when I was uh, looking into it, I'm just trying to figure out um, most of the churches, the uh, Roswell Chapel. Um, if you look into that, uh, that was not built by the Templars. Everybody thinks it was built by the Templars. That was built from the sons of one of the Templars. So when that was built, uh, there is a, inside the chapel itself, there's a, um, uh, they uh, did restoration on it, and above the, uh, the chapel, uh, there's, there's little blocks, and then the blocks are indicator of sound vibration. It's a musical tone. If you, if you really did the research on it, it's, it, it is a resonant sound with those uh, images on the block. If you um, take a, a, a computer and put that sound pattern, then you come out with a certain pattern of uh, music. Are you talking about cymatics? I am. So, okay. so the cymatics is that, that that's part of the um, a, um, a, um, a message, I guess, in, in tone. Uh, that that is like a computer code. That message inside there, uh, probably about uh, four billion bits of information. So that really like a, a novel, or some sort of a novel. I have not really got a chance to figure out what what all that translation is. Uh, they change when they Roswell Chapel. When they change it, they change those blocks, and they didn't um, put them back correctly. You can see the ones where they um, uh, changed it. So uh, Notre Dame is the same thing. Is that they? I think um, I don't know if those statues were removed. There's 16 copper statues in there. Each one of those have a, a variance uh, number on it. And that variance number is, uh, of course, it's a part of a, a, a number code with a music code. So six and there's this, um, nine lead plates uh, that was on the ceiling and they're very um, very inscriptive on some of the things on the Roman numerals on, on different uh, uh, scales. So that's part of it and, and part of it is too is the, the whole church. Um, I think it's a resonator. The flying buttresses are bonded together 
uh, by um, a, a steel, no, iron piece of uh, metal inside of those. So they, they don't come down. I, I noticed that the, um, the wooden uh, ceiling came down in the, in the uh, vaulted ceiling. All, that all came down. And that did have information, but the information is that if you go in there and play a certain sound or uh, instrument, uh, the vibration will come back in that resonance and that number. Um, I was uh, scheduled uh, this summer to go there, uh, but of course, I'm not going to go in there and they say it won't be fixed until five years. I looked online, uh, seeing if I can find any of those um, uh, number codes, but uh, pictures are too blurry. And looking at it now, I think they're destroyed. So I, I think a lot of it too is um, you know, conspiracy, but uh, that particular church was financed by uh, one of the branches of the Templars. Uh, I, yeah, I can't pronounce it right now because of the, my writing is pretty bad. So how's that? It's uh, super intense. <laughs> um, well, I saw an article um, that you can find, and it said the four things were removed four days from the fire, um, the statues above. So that yeah. actually happened. So it'd be really interesting. And I know that, um, you know, you've built uh, the biodome, which, you know, you did it on no budget, and uh, it can create a, an inverse magnetic field. Um, which is interesting when it works and that's on no budget, then alone, like, you know, the, so what you can do with a building to create vibration is uh, an interesting thing. I don't even know what to say about that. I think the one question I think people will be curious about is like, some people say Templars are good. Some people say Templars are bad. Um, do you have uh, like, do you have a reason or anything you want to share about the Templars? Cause I know there's a connection between the Templars and the Mi'kmaq. Well, it's like anything else is, um, Remember, the Templars were in power for a long time. So you're going to find good and bad from either way, uh, depending on your, what end of the stick you're on, I guess. Is that, you know, they did uh, come up with a financing system of Europe. Uh, to, they, they did the first banking system, the first loans, all the different things. So that could be good or bad. Um, but they helped a lot of people, too. Um, they weren't always about death and destruction. Uh, they they help communities, um, build communities out of, the, out of the, their wealth. Um, I think it's really a matter of um, how you're looking at it and what, you, what are you looking for, you know. Um, I, I would say good or bad. It's, that's uh, any organization out there that um, stands that long, you're going to find some good news, you're going to find some bad news. Not just like America. Is America good or bad, you know. You can find atrocities of what we have created, and you can find uh, all, a lot of the good deeds that we've done. So you have to balance that up for yourself. Right. Yeah. Well, okay. That's a good answer. <laughs> um, and I think it's really important what end of the stick you're on. Um, you know, I've, I've actually I had Brian Francis on the show. He's a friend of yours. He's also a Megama. And then I was interviewed on a radio show um, by a Native American woman, April, and she told me more and more about um, just the school system. And this is like a, a side note, but it really depends on what side of the stick you're on because, you know, the Catholic Church kind of put that into, into play with the government to create these residential school systems that there is a lot of atrocities there. But I know Catholic people and Christian people, they're not bad people. It's just like maybe that organization and that system that they, they put in is, uh, I don't know, they, I don't know if they were thinking what they were doing, but like what I'm learning more and more about the residential school systems is uh, really 
unbelievably disgusting and terrible and uh, um, awful to hear. So that's a, that's a side note. And I think it just depends on, you know, like you said, if you're uh, going to church and you're a good Catholic person at that time and you think that you're helping in some sort of way, you're not necessarily a bad person. But what's happened through that act was, was terrible. I don't know if you want to comment on that or you want to move forward because it, it's, it's hard for me to hear. It's so terrible. My mother and father were at that. Uh, my mother and father and my uncles were all taken from their family at the residential schools, and they stayed there for a long, long time. And they, they told me some of the atrocities that went on, and and it changed their outlook on their life and how they governed their life and and how they did. But they was they were still Catholic. Uh, that's to me that was pretty strange because you know. You see, Mom said that not the Catholic faith had done that to her. It is the people that were in the Catholic faith that did the atrocities, not the, not the overall Catholic religion. Uh, sometimes we blame things on individuals and on, on their organizations uh, because they're connected to those organizations. Remember, all organizations are, are humans, and humans have a tendency to... Uh, do bad things uh, when they're in power. And um, at that time, that the Catholic faith, uh, or the Catholic Church was pretty well in power around the world. And what they were trying to do is um, um, to take the, the savage out of us. Uh, they said that we're savages. And part of that edu spiritual education is to uh, conform us to a spiritual uh, outlook or religion. So when they done that, they, they did the atrocity. They, they ripped our spirituality out of us and tried to put uh, a religion in, which is virtually impossible. Um, but they've done that to thousands and thousands of um, um, children and individuals. Uh, but like the overall standing of what the Catholic faith is in Canada right now, it's, uh, I think that last time I did the statistics, it was like 71%. Uh, natives are Catholic, and uh, out of those 71%, at least 53% uh, still practices that uh, religion. Uh, is that bad? Um, I don't know. I, I, I go back to the reserves quite a lot, and but it makes us conflicting. Uh, some of the natives are true devoted Catholics. They, they participate in the Catholic Church, uh, but a lot of the ones that um, that don't go to church, that went to church, they have a, a pretty well clear uh, dislike to the Catholics because then they, they thought they ruined our, our faith and our, our way of uh, living. Uh, that was uh, one of the stones taken out of our foundation. You know, there's a lot of things that went on over the, the period of 300 years of um, contact with the Europeans, so and it's still going on. Uh, we are still looking for our identification as natives. So some of us think we know it, but even the Mi'kmaqs passed um, as a contact that we've lost our language, uh, a lot of our spirituality, the way how we look at the world and how we uh, view um, the world, and um, we, we think that we have been. Um, badly treated uh, over the years and, and I think that the people that I talked to that's been at the residential schools that like their life has changed and and if it was one or two 
Yes, but even one is an atrocity, you know. And there was thousands of atrocities going on. And looking at my point of view with my mom and dad, my uncles, um, I don't think they, for some strange reason, that, you know, they, that they want the conversation, but we, the, the conversation will only pay money, but it won't pay the, the, the pain and suffering inside and, and the life. You, you can't get that life back. You know, you've lost all those years. And um, you pay for that. And money is not going to replace that, no matter how much money that is. Uh, a lot of it is, uh, is that we, we have to find spirit again. Uh, where, where does spirit preside in, in, in this world? Uh, that, that is uh, part of our heritage and part of the way most of it has died. And we were replacing it with uh, different things, alcohol, drugs, and all the different things out there. You know, And, you know, I'm familiar with the Holocaust, 7 million Jews killed, murdered. Um, the same with the Mi'kmaq, the natives. We Still going on, believe it or not. There's laws in place uh, right now to take uh, our children away from um, the native families and put them with non-native families. And that's still going on. I, I just heard about one the other day. And what, how, how do we settle things? How, how do we stop that? And a lot of people say, oh, you just stop it. But um, you, the laws of um, the non-natives are so in-depth into our culture uh, that uh, at one time that we couldn't even practice our spirituality when we get arrested or killed. Um, we couldn't speak our language in the schools. When I, when I was in the schools uh, that... I come from Canada to here, that I couldn't speak my language. Now, I was beaten, literally beaten, because I spoke my language. And I, and I was taken away from my family, too. And I was taken away from almost three and a half years, put with a non-native family. Um, but when do we stop holding grudges? When do we start um, healing, you know? We can pray for healing all we want, but it's, it's up to the individual, the spiritual individual, to make that next step of, of um, healing because we can live with this all our life and uh, not deal with it and, and die. And, but I, I think if any of those people listening is that part of that healing process is accepting, but you have another day. We always have another day to improve that look. And that's the hard part about this because uh, we're, you you are not in my my world. We are in your world. So, trying to uh, come with a, a resolute of spirit, it's very hard to do. Um, I, I know that um, I'm out there speaking and everything else, but I'm still speaking in your world. I'm not speaking in my world. I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of the Mi'kmaq to, to hear us that we are a a, a spiritual civil people. Um, but most people don't hear that. You know, when I hear people kid around and things like that, you know, oh, hey, chief, or, or something like that, and that really hurts when people do that. Or when people say, oh, I have a little bit of native in me, and they, 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 they say, or people call me brother. And I have a hard time with that because they are not my brother. That, that is a way of uh, compensating their hurt on us. It's like, all right, okay, okay brother, you know, I still feel the hurt. I still feel see the pain, 
Um, but you know, it's it's like that. Is that there's a lot of us out there, and people don't. People say, oh, "I'm friends with native, and I can practice native ways." I can, you know, that's not the way it works. You know, uh, that we have a uh, spiritual culture that is ours. That's not willing to give it away, but people take it. Uh, they take our our cultural. Um, our music, um, they pick up the drum, they, they, they start, because I was at a couple of places, they were having a drumming circle, and there was no natives in that drumming circle, but they were singing native songs and stuff like that, and I was standing right there, and, and people don't realize how hurtful that is. They, they don't even think about it. They don't even, even correspond with that thought, and, and I think that's the, the, that's the, the travesty here, is that we're in the non-native world, uh, trying to be ourselves, and it's impossible. You know, I, I don't mind paying the taxes and doing all that other stuff, but you know, when they start uh, taking uh, things from you without asking, you know, just like you know, 500 years ago, that's what they started to do. They haven't stopped yet. You go online, you look on Native American flutes, and you have these non-natives making uh, versions of uh, native flutes. And people say, well, no, that's fine. And you know, yeah, it's fine. But to me, a flute is a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual object that I, I, I talk to the creator through my flute. And I see them uh, uh, making them and selling them to um, people that, you know, I have a lot of people say, oh, can you make me a, a flute in the key, a key of G? And Native American flutes are not like that. Uh, our flutes are made from uh, whatever the sound comes out of, you know. And I see that online. I had somebody send me back a flute. So oh, I want it in the key of C. I said, I make flutes the way I was taught, you know. Uh, I can make you a flute in the key of F and send it back. <laughs> that, that's a hidden. <laughs> so a lot of words and my apologies. <laughs> No, it's okay. Well, it's, you know, it's so interesting always talking to you because there's so many different ways we can um, go in the conversation. You're, you're very knowledgeable in Native American history, you know, European history, like just history in general. Um, you're also an engineer and a mathematician. And you're also dealing with, you know, what I perceive to be is like a cultural genocide through, you know, organizations. There's a quote that says like, you know, history has been recorded by the winners and we've, you know, it seems like on this planet you can go back in history and it's just bigger armies taking over spaces, you know? And then when we bring up uh, Notre Dame, that's, you know, that was when, you know, armies were doing their different things and with church comes state, you know, when I was in Guatemala, um, there were so many churches in this place called Antigua that I, I learned that there is a dispute between the Spanish government about saying, hey, stop building so many churches. There's so many churches, you know, and so there's this battle between power between church and state. And so it influences when you're conquering other cultures. And unfortunately, um, uh, when I was on that radio broadcast, I heard that, uh, I don't know if this is true, but the when when they came over, the British came over, it was the template for Africa to how to, uh, what cultural, uh, what, what is it when you're, when you're just trying to make them like you? Um, and I had bio, what is it? Simulation. Yeah. Simulation. And when I had, uh, Bayo Akamalafe on my podcast, who's at the, uh, he's from somewhere in Africa. I don't want to get it wrong, but it could be Nigeria. I can't remember. I don't know. Um, but he said the same thing where the schools came in and he was told not to speak 
his his language and and not in his accent and to forget his culture and that what the ideal thing to do was to be a BBC reporter and uh, that's that's really rough that's that's you know not okay in in my book and and I get upset at the systems but it is individuals um, so it's a really uh, challenging thing and I think that we should do another podcast one day just on that you know going into there because I know there's a lot of other things you want to talk about and feel free if there's anything more that you want to discuss on that anytime because I think it's important people know well people don't know uh, some people don't really care uh, you know um, a lot of the conversations I have that you know talking to people oh yeah you know Native Americans have been here and they all oh, they as we said there used to be one family down by the river. They used to camp out and fish and make baskets. So that's the only thing I know about Native Americans. He says that we took over the land and um, they're gone. We're not gone. We're just hiding well. <laughs> so um, I find that. Oh my goodness! Uh, I, I can talk about this forever. Um, that there is still prejudice here. Like you know that if I go into a restaurant. Um, it's, it's hard where I am right now because I'm not in a, a native community. There's, I think the nearest native community here is about two hours away. Uh, that I go into a restaurant and, and people don't, people look at me because I'm the only brown person in the restaurant. It's, that's not, it's not very diverse here. And, and people with me don't notice that. Uh, they, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, but I notice it every time if I go into any place uh, that, that I'm speaking and stuff like that, you know. People say, oh, you're, you're Mexican or you're, you're Hispanic or something like that. They, they get it all wrong, you know. I, I was just called Chinese the other day, which is not bad, but I'm not Chinese, you know. And, but it's like people are not really um, willing to give you uh, that benefit that who you are and what you are. And I, I find that everywhere that I go. You know, I was just out in California out there doing a program out there. And... And I went and told my stories and did all that, but people didn't realize where those stories came from. You know, I, I was, um, I, I'm a good storyteller and I was entertainment. Everybody enjoyed it, but nobody came up and asked where they came from, not one. And I was a little bit disappointed on that. Met some, uh, met some really nice people out there, uh, but it's like, you know, I'm sharing my culture. You know, this is part of my culture. And it may not, I may not have leathers and feathers and drums and, dance around and, and look like an Indian, but it's not looking like an Indian or looking like a native. It is what's inside of you that what comes out. And I don't think uh, uh, the Europeans have seen that quite yet. You know, I'm 101% native. I tell people about that 1% is spiritual. That is who I am and what I am. Um, but I think that's all I have to say about that. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I don't really have any comment. I just can only say that that would be incredibly challenging, you know, for people not to see you for who you are. And I think that culturally on this planet, if we can start to do that, to see people for people, um, you know, tall, short, black, white, um, and, and yeah, some, I don't know, just some more kindness and, and to, to look at the person, you know, we're so kind of distracted and um, we're so quick to judge and we're, and then we're so quick to like, pick a side, you know, and then battle the other side. And then because there's so many different distinctions and sides, you're battling pretty much every single other person because there's only this finite section that's yours that you've identified with. And I think that, you know, if we can go beyond that, 
um, that would be really great because you know, what we can get into talking about here is some pretty wild stuff. You know, we were in, you know, that's one part of it, but we've had conversations on, you know, ancient history and civilizations and, um, you know, the pole shift that's happening. And I know you've done some research and want to talk about that. And, um, there's all this stuff about, um, you know, different, um, aliens, you know, UFO contact. And I've been kind of, you know, you and I went to disclosure fest and this is supposed to be about contact. And um, I, re I recently started listening to more Bob Lazar's interviews. And uh, there's enough information out there to, to say that this is a very real possibility that space travelers exist and they're here. Um, there's lots and lots of, of information on that. But the only ones that I have heard have, have actually had contact is Native American or indigenous tribes around the world. It's in their culture. Um, you, Clifford Mahuti, and also the Mayan elder that I spoke to, We'll kind of talk about it as like a normal thing. It's not anything special. Um, and I've also heard that um, even the Masons and the Mormons have had contact as well. And I don't know if that's true. Um, it's something that I've heard. So, um, but one of the things that I've learned from you that I really find interesting because, you know, I've been to contact in the desert and I go down all the rabbit holes and, you know, a lot of people say a lot of different things, but one of the things that you always say is like, if, if another species who doesn't speak your language, who, who may have a completely different understanding, you know, they're probably going to do it within a group of people. You know, they're probably going to do it with, you know, not just one, but a, but a group of people and your take on it is very, very different. So I just threw a lot of things at you that, that wasn't really a question, but do you want to share some of the research on the pole shift? Because I know yeah. that's really important or any of the other stuff from Go on disclosure and what's out there today. So I'll uh, talk about the pole shift. Uh, uh, it's an actual event. Uh, there's not any pseudo about it. It's a it's a natural occurring thing in the universe. Uh, um, all poles shift eventually. Um, it's like a pool game, a magnetic pool game. Uh, a lot of the research I've done uh, a couple of years ago with the balloons on what the magnetic disturbance was and what the flex was is that I can measure uh, the magnetic flux as in when the Earth buckles. Every time the Earth's uh, earthquake uh, shift, uh, our nickel core goes off to the side. Um, I think, uh, we have a tendency to wobble, we're off 15 degrees off center. So in all that, it it's, uh, makes magnetic waves. Uh, it makes magnetic compressions. It makes all these different things. Um, you can get a regular magnet to shift poles if you have enough powerful enough magnets on the other side. You can make north, south, south, north. That's, that's, uh, anybody that knows anything about magnets, they can do that. Um, when they first started making electric motors, um, because of uh, the shift, they, they had to have a regular way of uh, taking a motor and making the motor shift uh, on their command. So uh, that's why AC, the alternating current, comes in. Is that it's a lot more powerful to do it that way to send AC through a line than DC. DC is just one way. So that's uh, and uh, it, it, it gives more. It, it draws more amperage, so you have to have more power to push more. AC is uh, you don't have to do that. You can put it through longer wire or longer coil. So that's what the Earth is doing right now. Um, it's nothing that's man doing that affects that. That's a, that's a natural thing. Um, what I've done a lot of the research over the history, and then I try to put uh, history with the shift. So if there's a magnetic uh, disturbance or a magnetic uh, flux, uh, it will buckle the Earth uh, because um, the Earth is a, 
um, part of the gravity is a magnetic field. And that magnetic field uh, compresses or buckles on one end. And uh, several months ago, they, uh, yeah, I think you can find this in NOAA or the Earthquake Center, that they had an energy wave traveling 900 miles an hour through the waters of Earth. All around the Earth, they detected that. But they couldn't figure out where it came from. Uh, there was no earthquake. Uh, there was no anything like that, but it was a, a mystery. So uh, that, that was what I think it was. It was a magnetic flux. Is that Earth buckled a little bit? That means uh, uh, it, it compressed. So it compressed a mile and a half. It went mile and a half in, mile and a half out. That gave, I figured out that it had to give a, a shock wave through the water at least a thousand miles around, but I didn't know it was, no, it was nine miles. I figured it was a thousand miles, but they said it was 900 miles. No. So that was detected. Uh, and another one was detected two days ago. That was like 200 miles an hour. So the Earth is doing something, but this, this uh, science is new. Uh, it's not a lot of the research done on this. Um, about 600 and 605, six, 6,500 years ago, um, there was a lot of uh, activity going on with the Earth, uh, floods, and uh, 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 supposedly Atlantis went in the ocean. Uh, that's, that's when I figured that the uh, Earth's poles changed. Uh, there's no way to, to, to find this out because it's so quick. Uh, when the magnetic Whole change is not going to stay there forever because it's a magnetic um, field that want to, it's going to want to buckle back where originally. So it's going to go go north, south, south, north, or probably within 12 hours. So, but but those 12 hours, um, I don't know. If you know what a rail gun is? A rail gun is a thing that works with a magnetic wave that pushes the a piece of metal out about 500 miles, 5,000 miles an hour. So, and then working with this. And that's kind of what's going on with the Earth, is that, of course, we have a nickel core. Most of our uh, Earth is composed by iron, so we're, we're kind of like an iron rail. And when that buckles, um, I'm not sure it's going to happen. I did I do some forecasts of what, what was going on. There'd be probably earthquakes. Uh, um, the San Andreas Fault, where, where it sits right now, uh, we're, we're probably going to lose some, some of California. Um, Yellowstone is po pointing uh, to eruption in the next 70 years. So um, all those things are kind of ready to blow. Um, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but um, these uh, uh, um, data points that I, I try to point to are indicators. Um, uh, we won't have a cell service. That's going to be awful for at least a month uh, because that's going to fry most of our cell phones and towers and everything else. That's going to be rebuilt. And um, and um, a lot of the structures, uh, uh, some of the bigger structures will be probably copied because the magnetic flux wave is pretty powerful. Um, I guess that you can think about it as something entering our atmosphere and going through our magnetic wave. So we've been seeing a lot more rocks coming through our, our shield uh, around the Earth. Um, one of the possibilities of that that I looked at is that our magnetic field is flexing. So we don't have a, a, a nice um, sphere in front of the Earth to deflect some of those um, rocks. It's, right now, it's, it go, a lot of it's going to the side. So once it goes to the side, uh, a lot of the rocks are getting through, the bigger rocks are getting through. So that we're seeing a lot more meteors around the Earth. 
because of that, that is flexing back and forth. Our, our, our field around Earth is flexing back and forth, and sometimes a, a, a occasional rock will come through. Uh, most of the field deflects on uh, rocks like um, the biggest Volkswagen bus or something like that. Uh, but some of them have been coming through. We have um, one just passed through the Earth, uh, between the Earth and the Moon, months ago, and we have uh, several more coming. Um, so it's not the only thing that's being affected by the magnetic flux. Uh, all our uh, sun and everything else is part of it. Uh, and what I, I come to a conclusion, what is that uh, we have a nice, massive um, uh, object out uh, beyond the uh, asteroid field. That's been detected by Voyager. That's been detected a lot by the, the satellites. There's something there. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with it. That orbits every 6,800 years. There's a full orbit. So that's a quite an orbit. So one year, that is 6,800 years. So that it, it gets closer to Pluto, kind of lines up uh, with all the other planets at the time. And, that, and, that, and that's what's creating our, our pole switch. Because uh, it's like having a bunch of um, compasses, so like 30 compasses, and running a magnet by it. And all those are going to point in different directions. It's going to point in that field line. Wherever that field line comes from, is the north is going to point. That is, is what they call a, a, a shift in the magnetic field. And that's what's happening to us. And of course, we depended on that magnetic field to keep up the gamma rays and all the different things out there. Uh, but like I said, it's nature. It's what we live here. And it's been the reason why we can't detect it in any of the um, the, the solar anything is so fast, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to detect. But if you look back in the history, uh, we can only probably look back for 7,000 years. Um, we're, we're losing at least a couple million years of um, information. Well, none of that sounds good in any way. That sounds, that sounds terrible. Well, what do we do? Um, well, um, like uh, when you go to the rapids, hang on. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. Uh, there's uh, because the, of the occurrence is way beyond our comprehension of technology. I'm sure that we could fix it somehow if we had the right technology, but uh, we're, we're not we're not there yet. Uh, we're we're still in the dark stages of uh, spirit. We don't really understand. Uh, we keep on thinking of the bad things and all the things that's going on, but none of this part of the way the universe works. You know, um, I know that um, looking at that, I know it sounds bad, but might not. I'm hoping that I'm wrong, you know, but then there's uh, 94 other scientists need to be wrong too. <laughs> so, What would be the time frame for this, the complete? So, so it's like, are you saying that it kind of like moves towards a shift, moves towards a shift, and all of a sudden it just shifts? Yeah, it will, it will, it, enough pr uh, magnetic pressure on, on the Earth itself will shift. And then it was just pushing it to uh, the other field. Uh, but right now, that, um, I looked the other day, uh, the, magnet, uh, the pole is moving 30 miles a day. So uh, it's, it's moving towards Iceland. I, I measured it a year ago, and it's moved 600 miles in a year, you know, a year and a half. So uh, if you put that indicator, well, the next five years. Oh man. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, do you want to say anything more about that? I don't even know to ask a question as like, if, if there's something that we can do to prepare. Uh, well, 
I think there's nothing that we really can do. We can pray all we want, put tinfoil on our head, or, or do something. It's not going to do very much. Um, um, it might be just a, a soft wave that passes through the earth, uh, and we will lose some cell phone and computer service, internet. Um, but the, this will account for the melting of the ice because uh, of the field density around the earth. Uh, so that points in that direction. I, I think um, I, I, I think it's um, it's going to occur and nothing we can do. Um, and a lot of it is just preparing. Yeah. You might want to get your things in order. <laughs> Sounds ominous and terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, in, in some way, you know, I think that like an event like that would be um, interesting just for humanity to kind of like get humbled and, and start to, I don't know, cooperate. I think that would be great because we're in this stage of mass materialism and um, it does seem a lot like the dark ages when I just view how the world's working and, you know, all this stuff that the nonsense that's happening now, there's still starvation, there's still war. It's just like, seems like this big greed party and um, in humanity, if we can kind of come together and work together, we can do incredible things. And that's where I kind of like the, um, you know, space traveler ET UFO idea, because I think that if, if the ETs were there, the space travelers are looking at us um, down from where they are, you know, and, and we want to go like out into the galaxy, like Star Trek, nobody would let us go. You know what I mean? Like as far as team earth goes and cooperating, it's like terrible. It'd be like, you know, a sports team that just like, you know, sabotages each other. They don't cooperate to work towards a common goal to make this planet the greatest planet. Um, but in that end, you know, then I, my mind goes to all the things that I've learned about the systems of suppression and um, just what's going on with education and media and, you know, all these things that are imposed upon us, you know, your culture, you know, that's, that's, in, that's incredibly awful. So how do you thrive and work together in community when you have an active system keeping you down and limited information and possibility and knowledge? Um, you want to comment on that? Yeah, well, you, you talked about ET. I think you're talking about extraterrestrial, something's not, not from this world. Yeah. That's what was, um, we, we talk about that a lot, and I hear that, and I've, and I've uh, commented about it, that I do believe they're among us. Um, but I don't want to feed the rhetoric that's out there. You know, I, you know, I have a couple of um, people that comment, they, they watch me really close, and they comment. So well, you talk about ETs, uh, you, you, you are, you, you are uh, like them. You, you are you, 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 um, submitting to... to the, the, uh, the masses that but in, in our culture in what I believe uh, since before even YouTube or anything came out my comments were pretty clear when I used to speak we do have uh, visitors among us I've been saying that the last 50 some odd years uh, but nobody's really been paying attention to they, they want they, they look at my words and take my words apart and say oh you don't know that you don't know that remember I'm, I'm, my budget uh, my science budget right now is pretty well zero. Uh, that most of the, my research that I'm doing, uh, I, I, I built a bike with a, um, a, a tier capacitor. This capacitor was about one inch power of the bike. And they comment, but that, what about that? It was like, yeah, if I had at least the $9,000, that was what 
put me, and that's what took me to put that bike together. I probably can work on that again. But uh, between my speaking and working in the shop, you're trying to come up with some credible evidence of the technology that it does work to have one item that works which I'm doing now uh, it, it takes time it, it, you know right now that I've been working six months with a very low budget that had people help but I'm working with pretty well um, stuff that people send me through computers uh, that I've been rating the dump and uh, and all the different things to build this stuff so if, if I had the money yes you probably would have criminal evidence that some of this stuff worked, but right now that uh, because what's going on in the world that all the other people out there that sell books and do all the different things are making money, but they're not changing. You know, they they say, well, there's ETs and everything else, and and I'm in contact with the Pleiades. Look on YouTube, how many planets in that, that are in the Pleiades? What part of Pleiades are you from? You know, I, I hear that a lot. I'm in communication with Pleiades. Oh, great. That's like being in communication with New York. What part of New York and which cult, you know? You know because, oh, then it's like, oh, it's like, oh, okay, I'm in, I'm in a different space time. Oh, great. Um, then help us. You know, our magnetic fields are changing right now. But they're going to change. The thing is, they're going to change back. They're going to rewound right back to where they are. It's going to be 12 to 18 hours of not having cell phone. I think you can do that. But on the ETs and everything else, that's a hard topic to talk about because I don't want to be put into that category of those people that are making contact and channeling and all that, which has partial truth to it. But if there's an alien race out there, ET, space travel, you know, how do we um, state our concerns? Do this, we do that in English language? We need help. How do you say that? How do you even uh, come up with a, some sort of answer? And then you, we, we think, we think they, they, they know what we're talking about. Do you know what the ants are talking about? Uh, do you know what the horses are talking about? Do you know what dolphins? We don't even know how many species of a whale that's in the ocean. Uh, I just, uh, uh, looking online, they think they found a mega shark, mega shark that's at least 30 to 40 feet long, and they have pictures of it. I took this, I thought it when the first thing, yeah, I'm gonna take that picture. It's a real thing. It's a real friggin' big shark uh, that's in the, in the ocean that they haven't discovered. The, the, China, the Japanese took a picture of it. And I looked at it, and I don't wanna be swimming with this thing, you know? But it's like, we don't know. Uh, we're assuming that the, uh, we're making contact, but. A real contact, um, and, and your government uh, has a, a book that uh, shows you about what real contact is. And then they had uh, professors and all the different people put this booklet together. It's 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 in you can find it. I'm pretty sure if you go to the Library of Congress, it's there. Um, how to make that first contact? Um, but nobody has. I don't as much as I know uh, out there that uh, all the people that said they have. I don't think they have because. A first contact will be very sloppy, uh, very, very um, uncomfortable. Um, so that, that I don't think that has happened yet. We we don't even know how to put an SOS out to these um, beings. Um, so and I think our ego and our income and the way that we um, think of ourselves and our money and everything else uh, that we have that first in mind. 
before the true contact. Uh, because true contact, we would know in how we eat uh, our technology of energy, um, the, the technology of um, what spirit is. Because what's noted through all the different um, the mathematical equations out there dealing with space is that we don't account for spirituality. We, our belief in spirituality is that hopefully there's a God, hopefully there's something up there, uh, but uh, there's no evidence pointing in, in that direction, only in our books and only in what we think we believe. Um, if, we, if we really look at it, you know, a lot of it's written by man. The Bible is written by man. I, I, somebody got really mad at me the other day uh, because I said, they're trying to tell me about God. And I said, well, the Bible is written by man. And, and they said, well, it's, a, it's interpreted by man, but God helped us to write it. No proof. You know, there's no proof. We can. It's great. It's a great book. I'm not denouncing it, but it's written by man. If you go in the back of the book, there's an author. <laughs> so there's a publisher and everything else. Um, we don't have the Ten Commandments. Uh, we don't have those in possession. So all the paperwork that out there is written by man, uh, including uh, all the sacred documents that we can possibly think of. So and so when we look at uh, a, a visitor that's coming here. Well, we're looking for help. We're looking for some sort of language, some sort of um, Rosetta Stone to speak to them. And I don't know of any. Uh, I'd probably, uh, probably do it in math if I was going to communicate. But how do I communicate with you now? So if that intelligence was here for at least 83 years, uh, that first contact should have happened 60 some odd years ago. And they should be training that um, visitor, your language, your culture, your science, all the things that make up humans so you can understand what that um, ET is talking about. But I don't know of any of those. I know there's a couple of projects done that way, but I don't know of any evidence of those ETs that's trying to speak your language or even converse. There's a lot of stories I hear, but they're just stories. My man. Hmm. Okay. Um, I'm not even sure where to go with all that. Um, really interesting. Well, I was recently looking up uh, Bob Lazar because he's he's released this um, documentary about working on the the UFOs and things like that. And there's a, some people out there that have really credible evidence of, let's say, UFOs flying around. And one of the questions uh, Larry King asked him is like why don't they just plop a spaceship in front of uh, Congress and say, hey, we're here? Do um, you have any comments on that? Why they wouldn't do that? Or, or do they not want to help? Or what's the deal? No. Um, sometimes with, um, other advanced uh, civilizations don't know you need help. Uh, you take the Europeans in the contact with the Native Americans. Uh, the reason why they came here uh, well, Columbus came here is because he, he was, um, they were persecuted for their religion in their country. So they came here. What did they do to, to us? Persecute us for our religion. So did the natives need help at that time? I don't know um, what, what that answer is that the natives were living in peace. We don't know that. Um, when, in my history, that there's a lot of wars was going on uh, when before the European came in, uh, the, the Seven Year War, all the different things that went on, and they, they battled 
power and land and all that stuff too. So did we need help? I don't know. And if I was like advanced civilization, that I probably wouldn't even think of, of needing help or even understanding because they have to think of their history. Their history is probably a lot different than ours. They might have been through um, colossal wars through the universe. Um, here's the Earth is just all they have to do is just get along. <laughs> you can think about it, and, but we don't do that. And you know, maybe, maybe they're just leaving us to bowl in our own soup. That you know, we, we might not need help. You know, and if we did have help, would we know what that help was? Would we do it if they gave if they gave instructions to the whole world? And they said, well, "Well, we'll put this in some sort of manual and bury this manual in your time." And you, and um, and when it's time for humanity to to have some sort of civil, uh, spiritual civil thought for each other, you can um, interpret this manual. Would you do it? Most likely not, because it look it look uh, funny. It wouldn't it wouldn't be a, a, a communication device. It would be something that the humans have to do together. They have to sit and shut up with each other to hear one person. But, you know, where's that structure? The UN? No, the UN is just a representation of different countries uh, stating opinion. But we don't have anything. Um, you, know, you know, people get mad at me. They say, well, you know, what makes you so special? I said, I'm not special. He says, all I do is have an idea. That's all that, that, that is. And part of that idea is um, that something was written in our history to have that communication of each other. But it's hard to believe uh, because we keep, keep in want to have some sort of um, spiritual effect from it. But it's simple. We want to make that first contact. You have to shut up, you know, and listen. And that's, that's for some of us. That I've, I've been helped it. It's hard. And as you say that you have a, a way to do that, a spiritual uh, machine that you can do that, people will believe you, you know. Um, people will look at you and say, you're crazy, you know, but you want crazy, look on the internet, there's a hundred one different things are way to be crazy. So I think that there's something here, but we're not, we're not picking it up quite yet because we don't believe it. It's been here seven years. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, can you describe the spiritual machine that would make contact? Like, is this something that's been, it's going to be hard for people to believe that, you know, unless they see it, you know, they're going to, they're going to need to see it. And and there's so much baloney out there. It's hard to know what's real. So they're like, okay, I'm just going to believe you with this idea and then go ahead and do it. It's going to be a stress for people. Just like when you say too, we're competing with paying the bills and regular society and our old belief systems and all that stuff We that person and that person even for me going out and researching all these different things, meditation, channeling, Gaia TV, Pleiadians, this is just like, you know, it's a lot of things you need to test to see if they work. And so um, it'd be a challenge. I could see that. Yeah. I think it's a challenge just to sit there and to try to, under, people try to understand. You get in your car and try to understand the car before you drive. You know, no, you're getting in the car and you're, you're, you're hoping when you turn that key, that starter uh, uh, cranks the flywheel, the flywheel 
uh, turns the pistons, uh, turns on the computer, turns on on the, the uh, spark the spark plug, um, vaporizes the gas, so the gas explodes when it's under compression. The compression makes uh, makes energy, uh, pushes the piston down, pushes the crank crankshaft, crankshaft pushes the flywheel, flywheel pushes the crank uh, the transmission, transmission computer tells the computer uh, to put it in drive, turns on the electricity, uh, it, it, it turns on. Uh, the brakes, the, all, all the different bearings, all the different systems that make the car work. That's a lot to think about to turn on the car. Every time you do that, you're going to think about that. Well, I do. <laughs> I don't think I'm the only one that does. Um, but, it, but it took individual thoughts for each one of those technologies. From making the piston itself, it is, the piston had to be a certain size. It had to have rings. Because when they first made pistons, they never put rings on them. They used to It'd be very low power because of uh, gas escaping around the piston itself, and somebody decided to put rings. That's a whole different invention of the engine itself. Somebody else thought of that. Somebody else thought of uh, how the crankshaft should work. Somebody should have how to cool the system, how to uh, vaporize um, the the gas, uh, what to use for gas. That's a whole technology. So you got at least two or three thousand people with one technology, so you can not think about it. The same with this technology here that we're talking about. That what is a spiritual technology? Is that it's already here, um, but people, it's too simple. It's not, that's not the way it works. How are we going to know your thought? We, we don't know the, the person beside us or on this side. You know what that I'm talking about. I ain't going to mention it, but you know what we're talking about. But it's like, we've been doing this little, oh, I'm sorry, I just got word, the last eight years. <laughs> So, and and it's been working. It's it does work, um, but it's like it's very slow because again, what you said is going to take some belief, and that belief is uh, it does work. Um, and uh, the copper scrolls gives us a building, uh, such a building that we can sit in and actually be in resonance with each other. It gives us part of that technology of resonators of of different things that we've talked about of being in resonance with each other. Uh, calming our mind. So. Okay, so with all of that, do you think it's possible to um, create a way that community would be in resonance and also with this resonance then would come um, a, an ability to communicate with uh, star travelers, other races in a way that we could both understand each other? Um, I, I would spell it S-E-Y. <laughs> okay, cool. And so can you talk about this building a little bit? The building is called the Star Lodge. Uh, it, it's a um, four-sided building. It, it's, a, it's a big pyramid. Uh, the pyramid uh, brings in the magnetic wave at an 90-degree angle. It goes through your, your magnetic um, field through a 90-degree angle. It makes a torus field around the building itself. Sounds pretty incredible. I've actually seen schematics for it, and it looks yeah. incredible. Yeah, and it's um, the smaller ones work great uh, for individuals. Um, uh, I think later on this summer I'll, I'll build one that's like six feet tall, that's so people can go inside. And it does have some technology to it, but it, it works really good. Uh, what I measured from the, the one, the smaller one, I'm, I'm getting at least 130 volts from this thing uh, every hour. <laughs> Uh, builds up a static charge of that. I think the amperage is like 
nine nine amps. That's pretty good. Well, so not- it, you know what I'm thinking with with this. Even if things went well, um, you know the building got built and we 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 had the t's is which what you're talking about is like these these ways to bring communities and residents and we had them and we started uh you know there's a bunch of people into it what's going to prevent like governments and existing systems and religions that are opposed to this idea from coming in and um um, flexing their muscles and making sure it doesn't happen um community united states is a community uh, one talk we keep on thinking that we all have different thoughts and all different views of the government. That's why the government is. Government is one thought of that community of the United States. And we, and we keep on thinking Democrat and all those things. Remember, that's still one thought, is that we have created the United States. Uh, we can create something else. I'm not saying get rid of the United States, but I'm just saying that, that we can create a resonant field of community that you can't break or, or um, infect. Right now, our infection is uh, money, income. Um, that we should make money, money to buy houses and put gas in our car, and that preoccupies thirty-eight uh, percent um, of our day. Just thirty-eight percent of the day, we could be something else. Yeah, at least we've got to work at forty hours a week just to make ends meet. Most yeah. people are throwing in overtime, and you know, this is madness. And um, you lose most of your life. I mean, I, I know some people that were great engineers and great scientists but they end up working and staying in that field but not really achieving that much <laughs> and so well i kind of wanted to tell are there multiple ways that uh contact could could happen like do you know if there's any truth to uh well i know the indigenous tribes around the world have it in hieroglyphs and things like that and, and talk about contact um but corporations are not corporations but uh groups like um the mormons because I've heard them, you told me the Mormons have scrolls and also the Mamans, Masons. Would they have used the same technology? Um, so I want to ask that. But I also heard Alex Jones go off the rails. And I, I don't know if you talk about this, but he said that the governments are using DMT and drugs to communicate with these other beings. And that, you know, World War II was all about these beings. So they would suggest in, in that documentary that they actually like sitting down with them communicating and sharing knowledge through different ways. Is that kind of like, do you believe in any of that? I don't think you do, but I want to ask anyway. So during the second world war, the Nazis were in power. Uh, when they were in power, they had eventually, I, I don't know if you ever heard uh, night of the long knives. So before the, uh, look that up, uh, uh, before the night of the long knives, they only had an idea. And that idea is that, that a certain uh, part of these people were changing the world and they're afraid of them because they were, they were into everything. So before the night of the long knives, they only had that idea, but they needed to set everything up in place to that. The long, night of the long knives changed everything. They, t- they actually act upon it, their idea. And if you, if you know history and what that entails, after that night of that, that it changed, of course, but it changed that idea. The first idea was good, bad idea was okay, we're going to actually do something about it, and seven million Jews died um, among um, all the other people that was there. It's kind of like this here is that if there was a, what you just described, 
of, of that uh, change and all, everything that was going on, that our idea would be different right now. Uh, we wouldn't have, we have some spiritual freedom, but we don't have a lot of it. Uh, but we have some. So there's a, 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 a depression and a depression of, of our, our ways of what we're doing. The reason why uh, is because we're not going over that comprehension of belief. Um, we want to, I've, I've seen that documentary. It's interesting. I'm not, I'm not denying anything on it, but uh, it's, uh, it's like, all right, that, that is true that we can't go on to the next step. Because we've been controlled by a being or somebody that's uh, higher superior, superiority thought. But I don't think we are. I think we're stuck in our own imagination. And that imagination that we are looking at, we can change it. But we don't have, we don't have a way or even a thought process how to do that. We don't have community together. Uh, we, have, uh, we depend on uh, YouTube to give us most of our information. I know a lot of the scientists that I've talked to, they use YouTube as a research device. I don't. Um, if, I'm, if I'm looking for device, I actually go to a library or, or, or get on research with somebody else to find that research. Is that, what are we being fed? You know, uh, when I talked about the magnetic fields and stuff like that, that's real evidence. Uh, you can go find that online somewhere. That's, that's not happening. That's part of nature. And it's scary. But it, it is it is the truth. But the other things is like you know some of it scares the bejesus right out of me. Like holy frig, you know, I, there's no hope. I'm just gonna sit and, and uh, grow old, and and I can't change the world. You know, I, I've been out there for several years, and all, all my critics haven't been out there. You know, they they sit in their comfortable chair and say, oh, you did this, not that. No, I'm going to California next week to speak. Uh, at the expo uh, in front of a panel with uh, Clifford Mahoudi and everything else. You know, that takes time, that takes some belief. That, that, but I believe that we can form a community that's very strong. I'm not saying powerful, because when you say powerful, then you think it's like you're talking about the Nazis. That night before the long knives, they, were, they had an idea. They weren't powerful. They had an idea that after that they were powerful. Uh, powerful in, in 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 what they've done, and they like I said, they took a step of, of that belief, and like, okay, we're going to actually do something about it. Just like what's going on now in this world is like, I, I see a lot of uh, people talking and things like that about all the different aliens, but I don't think if, if the aliens were like that, I, I don't think they would do that. Uh, they would let us simmer our own soup, give us enough rope to kill ourselves, and we have. Right now, that, that we have 38,000 nuclear warheads around the Earth, we can destroy the Earth nine times with this, with this hour that we have. But a lot of it's deterrence. Is that, okay, I'm gonna have a nuclear weapon because you have a nuclear weapon. You know, it's keeping peace right now, but we, we still don't get it. We still don't have community. We think we do. And I get a lot of messages that people say, oh, you should change this, you change. Fine, that's fine. That, that if you have the idea, help me change. Help us change that. You know, don't sit on the sidelines. Oh, you go do that, and uh, when it works, we'll we'll join in. It's like jumping on an airplane. If that parachute opens, uh, and I see it open, I'm going to jump in after after that and grab onto you on the way down. Yeah, you know, um, it, 
because our lives are very short. And, you know, I, I'm thinking about like 30 years ago, what I've done, I was on the road speaking to start teaching like I'm doing now. Am I possessed with it? No. I think it's, a, I, I know the idea will work, but it's like some people don't want to work at it. And it's not easy. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, it's not easy to change uh, the outlook on community because we're all messed up. We don't know, sometimes we don't know what we're doing. And some of these individuals that go on and go on and talk doom and gloom, it's like, yeah, but what are we going to do about it? Um, um, what is the solution? What can we do? You know, how, how, how can we work together? And that's what I've been doing. Um, and, but it's like, you know, people quit, start teaching all the time because it's not, um, not their cup of tea. <laughs> Oh, well, well, you said a lot there, and I'll just make a public uh, service announcement and remind people that your history uh, that you've learned is 20,000 years old and that your elders asked you to share this with the non-natives for the first time. Um, and so if you imagine coming out of that culture and, and where your information is coming from, it is extremely old, um, extremely sacred. I know that um, with you, some, you know, the, the community was divided. Some people don't want you to share this. Same with Clifford Mahuti. He told me that you know some of the Zuni don't want don't want to share this with the non-natives because of the history between us, which is fair. Um, but I also noticed a very interesting thing when I was in Guatemala. Um, we had and it's, it, to speak exactly to your point. Um, I went down for the Mayan fire ceremony because they hadn't done ceremony there in years because there was a genocide, and I think it was two hundred thousand. Uh, indigenous people were massacred in um, Guatemala and in Tikal and in that area because they wanted to do the ceremony that they've done. And so we're doing a panel at um, the Mayan Heart Festival and there's people up there talking about Mayan history and there's only one Mayan elder up there and nobody asked him a question. It was everybody else. There's like a 20 year old there, there, you know, to, who is a shaman who is talking about things and, you know, it's fine. He's doing his thing. Um, but I'm sitting there just so curious how no one is asking the only legit <laughs> Mayan elder, any of the questions about Mayan history, about the Mayan calendar, about all of this stuff. He didn't, he didn't say a word. And it's funny because it, I, Carlos is sitting there and he just has his head down and he just listened to things and he was just kind of like, just like shake his head as it's like, this is different. And like in, in your culture, there's elders for a reason. And there's, you know, there's respect given to, to our, your parents and to your grandparents and to that knowledge that gets passed down. So um, I know a lot of the stuff you say is it's even hard for me to believe. Um, but when I go out there and I do my own research and I go down all the rabbit holes that I do, um, for some reason, your stuff is just feels a little bit more uh, congruent sometimes. And uh, even though you speak like Mr. Miyagi a lot of the time, you don't give me a straight answer. Uh, <laughs> most of the time, um, I find that when I'll do a practice or I'll do something, I'll get a result. And, um, and also your science always works, which is, I find very fascinating in itself. Um, so beyond that rant, we only have 10 minutes left, unfortunately, because I got, a, I got some, another meeting to get to. And I'll talk to you for a thousand hours every day if I could. Um, what do you want to leave the listeners with? Just anything in general, but also one thing I always like to ask you and I've done it a million times is, you know, we're an individual out there and there's so many different options and we've got families and kids and friends. We're generally confused. Uh, we're trying to make money to survive, but some people want to, they, they want to be happy. They want to just, you know, ha like what's your best advice for living in spirit and, and 
creating a little bit of balance and, and what I hear from people in the feedback is just chaos out there. And it's really challenging, you know, getting your own house in order before you can, you know, help anyone else, then alone humanity. Yeah. Well, I can only speak for myself. Uh, what makes me happy. Um, the first teaching is to be kind to yourself. People don't realize what that really means. That means is that in your world, are you happy in your world? And some people say, oh, no, I'm not. This is happening. But if you just sit down with it and uh, say, if it's different, what would you make different? Uh, if you want to go around the world, if you want to do something, uh, if you want to have a cup of tea, if you want to have a cup of coffee, something to make you happy, the little things that make you happy, to be kind to yourself first. Then share that kindness. Um, uh, do three acts of kindness every day and not telling anybody about it. You wouldn't believe how powerful that is with the spirit itself. Because I, I try to do that every day. And that's not the easiest thing to do most of the time, but sometimes it's easy. I do nine things. So sometimes I do one. Uh, I think the most I've ever done in one day is like 23 kind things per day. But I'm not saying that makes you better. I just say that it has to feel good for you. And once that happens, the whole universe opens up to you. Um, but but you, remember what it entails is practice every day, you know, and uh, write it down. Uh, write write what you write down. Um, uh, keep a log of what you do, um, because sometimes people say, "I want this," and forget about it in a week. And I want this and something else. If you see it and visualize it and, and say it, 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 it's there. And it's the last uh, several months I've been doing that uh, still, and it's, it's been working. You don't get everything, but you do get something. And do in all the craziness out there, do your research, you know. Don't believe me. I take my words with a grain of salt. I tell people that a lot. And I'm not right about anything, but I do a lot of research. And, and, and I try to take my research and, and give it to the community and, and let them base their opinion. But that's hard to do because, you know, I'm not funded. I'm, I'm you know, all the other people selling books and all the different things, all the lectures. I just tell people, if you want to know what I do and uh, if, it, if it works, put 2,000 people together in an auditorium or something like that and let me come and speak to them. And I can guarantee that will be the change of this world. We haven't done that yet. Uh, we talk about it. Put 2,000 people in a, in a hall or something and I will share some information and that, and that information will go into that community and that will affect change in that community. Try me. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to try that. That sounds amazing. Anybody can get 2,000 people together. Let's do that. Does it matter? Could, they, could there be 2,000 people attended somewhere like Coachella and then you all of a sudden speak? Does that work? And it has to be uh, humans. It has to be in one place. It can't be over a machine. I think, I think Coachella are humans. I'm not sure. Like on stage. <laughs> Would that work if you use someone else's audience? Like, uh, like say you're at the Super Bowl and they give you the mic for 20 minutes, you blow their minds. That's it. All right. So everybody out there hearing this problem, solve it, take an action. And I'll say too, you know, we've been friends for, what is it? Year, two years now since Jim and Jim. And, um, We've spoken in Sedona, uh, Disclosure Fest, Washington, D.C., uh, a bunch of podcasts, and the amount of help you get is 
astronomically minimal. Everything you have done is no budget. We've traveled the world. Um, even you and I traveling last summer to Sedona to go see Clifford. And every single place, I'll let people know who listen to this, I am always trying to poke a hole in your story. I tried it with Brian Francis. I tried it with the Zuni elder. I've tried it with mathematicians. I always try to poke a hole in the story for something you've said. And I've come back blank and I'm still going to keep trying, um, even though I believe you and I trust you. But it's just like, that's what you do. And what happens is it opens up another layer for someone else's experience. Um, what Brian shared with me, a really interesting story. And I invite everyone to listen to Brian Francis's um, um, in, interview. Because, you know, it's like I've asked, like, how come the Native community, you know, isn't supporting more? And, you know, Brian just shared a lot of different things about some of the things that you've said about, you know, the school system and disrupting, you know, the, the education that was passed down and, and all the things that are happening there. And I think that on another note, what I'm learning more as I do this and speak with other Native Americans is the importance for the non-Natives to do something or to consider what we can do about reconciliation, um, what, we can, what we can do about um, getting the message out there and understanding uh, the Native American history, the Native American culture, and anything that we can do to preserve it. Because um, you know what's happened is we've come in and decimated a culture and we've, and we've basically done cultural genocide. And if our youth or anybody hearing this can do a little bit um, to support the preservation um, and the flourishing of an ancient culture, that would be fantastic. Yeah, and I tell people, look up the information, the star teachings, uh, look, look that up. Uh, we have a bunch of websites, um, look on what we're doing. There's some uh, YouTube videos out there that we've done. Uh, check them out. Yeah, check them out. We're, we're in the process of making more, and hopefully, uh, I was going to talk to you. Uh, I was hoping to bring you down to the shop to show you what I've been doing down there. Maybe in the next couple of weeks, I can um, we can set up another podcast to come to the shop and show you some of the technology. Uh, yeah, let's do that as soon as possible. I'm in. Yeah. Well, David, I appreciate your time and uh, everything that you're doing and uh, everything that you're speaking about, and for persevering through what I know you have persevered through. Um, it's truly incredible. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on again. I'm honored. It's always nice to speak with you, Matthew. Thank you. All right, guys, that wraps up this incredible episode with David Lombert, Senate Pass. Very interesting stuff. Um, if you go down the rabbit hole with his work, as far as uh, I've had a few engineers uh, reach out, and then they kind of they took it up and, and they realized after doing some background checks, like, no, this guy's serious. He's building stuff that's very complicated. Um, so they're very more they're a lot more curious about his story and have been firing through episodes. We're gonna have a lot more coming up here. Um, some interesting things coming down the pipe. If you like the episode and you want to support, please take a screenshot, share on Instagram, share on Facebook. The most valuable thing you can do is really um, share the podcast. Leaving a review really helps. Supporting on Patreon really, really helps as well. Thank you guys so much who are my patrons. I really appreciate you. It does take a lot of time, a lot of effort to do this. Um, and the pay is, uh, you know, probably works out to be, I don't know, like $250 an hour or something like that. Uh, but, you know, it's definitely going to pay off in the end for sure. I enjoy what I do. I love getting the work out there. I have full trust and faith and support in the universe that it will work out and it is working out. I can eat food, so I'm happy. But uh, if you want to support, then that would be fantastic also. Um, if you guys are interested in coaching, just make an inquiry, mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. Um, most of my clients, like I said, have had a few people reach out and say, you know, you're like, 
um, I don't know how they phrase it, but like, you know, if they're just working on something small, like moving from, you know, a job to their passion, I was like, no, that's mainly who I work with. People are really serious and leveling up, getting very, very clear on defining their ideal life and how to get there. It's not just peak performers, CEOs and things like that. Um, they're probably the latter category. Like I work with them, um, you know, 20% and just that I would say the regular human. I figure myself to be a regular human as well. And um, how do we just move towards a life we're really passionate about? How do we create an income around that? How do we get really clear and use these consciousness, spirituality, peak performance t- uh, techniques and mindfulness and all this kind of stuff to really just enjoy the human experience, to embrace it and to move forward in a direction that is inspiring to us. So if that sounds interesting to you, uh, just mad at zenathlete.com or if you want me to do some training for your group, your organization, anything like that, same thing, just send me an email and we will work it out. So that's it for today. I hope you're having a fantastic uh, day and moment and uh, I'll see you in the next episode. So let's just take in a deep breath in through the nose. Hold that breath. Just let it out slowly, filling yourself with compassion, peace, joy, self-acceptance and love and ready to take on the rest of the day. All right, we'll see you in the next episode. Peace.